Good afternoon, Tuscaloosa and Internet World. How are we doing on a beautiful Friday? Welcome in. This is the Joe Gaither Show right here on Bama Central and BamaCentral.com. You're watching us on, on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. You're listening to us on Spotify, Apple Music, on Audible, and, of course, right there on BamaCentral.com. I hope you guys are having a great day. I appreciate y'all hanging out with us all week long. You can follow us at Joe Gaither 6 for all your social media accounts. Send us your comments, questions, queries, and complaints. We've had a good week so far. I appreciate our friend Kendall Hollowell of the NFL Network joining me on Tuesday. We had a great conversation about the quarterbacks in the NFL on Tuesday. And then yesterday we talked with former wide receiver Mac Hereford, who played wide receiver from 2016 to 2019-20, uh, won a national championship. We heard from him really about our wide receivers and kind of what it's like to go through a quarterback battle. Today I'm very, very happy to welcome in my friend Mr. Hunter Johnson. You can follow him on Twitter at Johnson. He is the Tide Hoops pregame and postgame host. He's all over all, all things Bama on basketball, baseball, really the Tide Hoops aficionado. And I'm very, very blessed to, have, to call him a friend and to welcome Coming into the program, Hunter, how's your Friday, brother? Joe, it's going well, man. It feels like it's been such a long time since we've done radio together. Yeah, it's been a minute. It's been a minute. The last time, oh my gosh, unfortunate, had an unfortunate result up there in Louisville. But, you know, yeah. it was a great, great season, basketball season. And, you know, we haven't talked since the end of the academic athletic season. I, I just want to open up. You love all the sports at the Capstone. And what was your thoughts on really 22 and 23 as it went this past season? I thought it was very possibly the greatest season in Alabama athletics history. Um, when I was in school, the, the best thing that we had was um, 06. And that was mainly the big three and that you would finally win 10 games. Um, you go to the NCAA tournament in basketball and you're host a super regional in baseball. This definitely exceeded that. Um, you know, going to a, a, a you know, New Year's Six Bowl, uh, making the Sweet 16, winning a double in basketball, um, making a super regional uh, for the first time since 2006. And then you look at the other sports too. Um, a sport that I, I hold near and dear to my heart um, is Alabama soccer. Uh, Alabama soccer with a the greatest season in program history. Um, I mean, golf had a good year. Uh, you had just it was just a really really good overall year. Now, obviously, like you would have loved to have won some national championships at that, you know. And, and now that I'm thinking about it, 2012. It was probably better just because you are 2011, 2012, because you ended up winning four national championships. Uh, but this is this is pretty close. Yeah, it was a great year. I mean, obviously, you have a lot of chatter about, oh, my gosh, y'all failed at, the, at football and you stink and you, oh, you know, underachieved at basketball. But, but just, that's just the standard now, though. That's, the, that's the problem when you're held to such a high standard. A hundred percent, and and so taking it away really as a ten thousand, uh, you know, view from ten thousand feet up. I really, really, uh, I think that it was a successful season. Uh, but uh, you finished. I mean, you finished twelfth in the Learfield Cup, which I mean, fifth in the SEC. But I mean, twelfth overall. That I think that just shows the strength of the SEC as a whole. Is it? <laughs> Stanford wins that. Don't they Don't they kind of have an outward uh, advantage of just more, more sports? Like, come on, how much weight are they we do. kind of metric? They do, and they really kill it like? on a lot. They kill it on a lot of the smaller sports. It is what it is. But that's why Alabama finishing at such a high level is so impressive because we don't have all those sports like Stanford. 
Well, I, I bring you on really to get your thoughts on all the sports, but I want to focus uh, on our favorite sport together is really basketball. And there was a lot of news, really, <laughs> it's the offseason, but still a lot of news this week. Uh, two major points, and I want to get your thoughts on, you know, we love J- Devon Quinterly. He transfers out of the program, still yet to be uh, announced where he's headed. And Grant Nelson officially transfers into the program. Uh, two major roster tra- transitions, Hunter. What do you make of Javon Quinterly, the timing little uh, – how do you how do you now receive him as a uh, you know now his career is completed Alabama? Um, I still think I'm probably going to need more time to like before because I, I don't want to say anything like it really. I mean, it really frustrated me when he did it. I still think it's a dumb move. I know that we made a significant commitment to him nil wise. Maybe he's getting more more somewhere else. I don't know. I just know that we were doing we went over and beyond to to make sure that he was taken care of. Um, and he just decided. I mean. I think what frustrates me and probably what frustrates a lot of Alabama fans is you go through the whole hoopla of the I'm back image and then you leave like it just and the, the whole timing of it like it just doesn't it doesn't it still doesn't really make sense to me. I think it's a dumb move. I, I still wish him the best wherever he goes like I'm forever a, a JQ fan. He's a legend in Alabama basketball. I appreciate all I did. And I mean, and when I take like my personal feelings out of it. He was at Alabama for four years and got a degree. That's really all you can ask from a student athlete. Like, I don't think we can really – I think the timing of it is what sucks. The fact that he did do the whole, like, I'm back just seems kind of like a little bit starved for attention. But that said, I'll forever pull for the guy. Um, wherever he goes, I will be keeping up with him. And I hope that he's always feels welcome back at Alabama, maybe after next year, because this next year he will be competition. Um, but, yeah, and I think it, it caught everybody – I think it caught everybody off guard. I don't think anybody was was expecting this. There was some chatter, I guess, probably back in April and May that he might be leaving. But it seemed like we had, re- we had made that, we had smoothed all that over, that everything was good, and then boom, he's gone. So now you look at it, you don't really have a true point guard. You were you were bank you were you know, banking on JQ being that guy, and now you're going to have a, a couple of combo guards in Aaron Estrada and um, Mark Sears who are going to have to fill that void, provided that Alabama doesn't go and get somebody out of the portal, which is it's still very possible. Uh, but it just leaves you in a hole roster-wise. But I think that we have a good a good enough – we're probably going to talk about this in a second. The other pieces around that are good enough for this to be a very, very good basketball team. Absolutely. And I want to open you right up to uh, your thoughts on Grant Nelson. Grant Nelson looks every bit the part in his highlight film. But then I look at who he's playing in some of his highlight films, and it looks like uh, guys like my athleticism. And we know, uh, full disclosure, I'm not very athletic. Uh, so Grant looks the part, uh, just 6'11". Oh, my gosh, can shoot, can handle the ball. Well, how do you see him transitioning to a much uh, more difficult league? Well, I mean, he was doing it against – high-level competition, a lot of the highlights that we've seen have been of them playing in their conference schedule. But, I mean, he did pretty dadgum good. He had 17 against Arkansas. Um, he had, let's see, 11 against Kansas. I mean, so it's not like he wasn't doing against high-level competition. Uh, I'm really, really excited. I think he's a the perfect fit for this program. I thought that it was really a slam dunk that he should come here. Um, and I, I saw an interview with his parents this morning where they were talking about how, like, they just really felt like this was the right fit for him, both culturally and basketball-wise. Um, and I think it really shows what Nate, o- Nate Oates has built here and that they were – one of the keys about having guys like Noah Clowney. Yeah, you know, does it – we started talking about this probably halfway through the year last year because we're like, Dad Gummy's going to get so good that he's going to leave. Um, but the benefit of that is that guy, guys like Grant Nelson see – 
that Clowney could come in here for one year and then he's a, t- a first round pick. That And that's exactly what Nate and the staff were pushing on Grant Nelson, telling him that you can be the Noah Clowney in this offense and then move on and be, and that's what he wants. He wants, he's coming here to make it to the Rose. He ain't, I don't, I'm sure he's, he's going to be going to class. I don't really think he's a little concerned about a degree. Uh, <laughs> he's coming here to make the NBA and that's what we pushed on him. They sold him on it. And I mean, with his ability, he's got a good handle for six eleven. Um, You can really run him. I mean, you can, he's a better ball handler than Clowney. Um, a really, really good rebounder. I was looking at this. I was, uh, looking at his re- not even for this. I just randomly was looking at it this morning. Uh, he's one of the top rebounders in the country defensively. Would love to see him pick it up on the offensive end a little bit. Um, did not shoot as well from three last year as he did his first two seasons. He was 25% last year. His first two seasons, he was up in the 30s. Would love to see him get back to that. But I think that also could be a factor of him having to shoulder a little bit more of the burden offensively from North Dakota State last year. Um, I'm very, very, very excited about having him. Uh, he seems like, you know, there's always, we talk about this on, I think we talked about it on uh, on the Bama Hoots pregame show presented by Christopher Mobley, of course. Um, we've talked about how, like, there's always, if the other team has a white guy, you just kind of always hate that white guy. <laughs> this guy's, Grant Nelson is going to be so hated by opposing fan bases. Arkansas fans already hate him um, because he, you know, it came down to Alabama and Arkansas and he chose Alabama. Um, I hear that size of coach might have been an issue there with must being so short. It's and it's really a shame to see Eric Musselman come up short yet again to the university. Awful. That's three, that's three times this year. Um, but yeah, they already hate him. I'm sure Auburn fans are going to hate him. Uh, yeah, so it, it, it's going to be. I'm really really excited about having him and pairing him with the guy I imagine we're about to talk with next. Talk about next. Yeah, Latrell Wrightsell, Aaron Estrada, those kinds of – I really want to kind of focus uh, the, the next portion on Nate Oates' acquisition and utilizing the portal and just, you know, how he's – oh, my gosh, we didn't expect to lose. Mediaco and you and you, and you have Clowney becomes a surprise first-round pick. And, okay, you you got to manage that. Now we've got two extra un, un, uh, two extra spots, and he appears to be going out to West Virginia and bringing some guys in – or bringing some guys in to visit at least. Nate Oates, just a freaking mastermind and just a wheeler and dealer. It's like, okay, I'm in a – corner here i can pivot and move and getting jaron stevenson just uh, I, I am just impressed with his ability to, to roster manage that's so that's what i was about to say more so than portal i think it's more roster management and that you're able to i mean the key to that would be getting a guy like jaron stevenson who's not who was not even going to be in this class and getting him to reclassify and come in and be able to play right away um i was listening to a podcast the uh goodman and hummel podcast this morning on the way to the office and they had Scott Drew and a couple of other uh, head coaches on. And they were talking about how hard being a college basketball coach is these days. Because it used to be that you would finish up in May, April. You know, you might have a couple transfers. But then that was kind of like when you and, – and you did a little bit of recruiting. May was kind of when you, like, recharged. Like, you rested. There's no there's no rest anymore. <laughs> there are always – I mean, Nate's going all over the place right now recruiting, um, as is the rest of the staff. Uh, it's always something. I mean – even in a weird situation like this, Nate has an open spot, a new open spot come up in late June with JQ leaving. But I thought it was a great job of roster management. I thought that, um, you know, Latrell Whiteside, I like him a lot. I really like Aaron Estrada. I've heard really good things out of him from uh, from pickup games this summer. Uh, I think he could end up, you know, very possibly starting. Uh, I, it, but the thing is, we brought in a lot of guys who were willing to buy in and weren't coming in expecting necessarily to start. They did, they weren't coming in. We weren't guaranteeing them starting spots because you look at what we were, if we had had JQ come back, you were going to have JQ, Mark, Ryland, um, Grant Nelson, 
and then either Nick Pringle or possibly uh, Jaron Stevenson. So those, those guys probably weren't going to. Aaron Estrada might now. Heck, White Cell could too. I don't know. Um, but, like, it shows that those guys are willing to buy in to what the program was selling. And it's just a, a phenomenal job by Nate of being able to – and he ain't done yet. I mean, he, I, I still think it's very possible that we could get, um, you know, the point guard from West Virginia. I don't know. I mean, if you look at him statistically, it's not great. But you would still like to have another ball handler. Um, and and you wouldn't really mind having another big. Uh, I think with JQ leaving, everybody immediately thinks, oh, we need ball handling. But if you look at our big situation, you've got Nick, Grant, Jaron. It's kind of it. Uh, you don't really have a, a lot. I mean, you got the, the freshman coming in. Um, like Sam Walters is a guy I'm looking forward to seeing. Uh, but you don't have a ton of depth there. If one guy goes down, you could be in a, in a tough spot. Yeah, absolutely. I've just been uh, amazed watching Nate you know, pivot, pivot, pivot all summer long. Uh, and, and really, uh, I think right now we have a roster that uh, I know a lot of people think on our fifth, fourth, fifth, sixth in the league. But I think once you get them together in jail, we've seen Nate Oates kind of accept, uh, kind of kind of get the most out of a group of uh, group out of a group of players in, in in the past. In addition to that, it's also kind of speaks to the, the just how different things are in college basketball. It used to be that you would. Yeah, you would use all 13 of your scholarships, but a lot of times you were bringing in guys that you knew, like, we're going to be a project. There's not, you don't really see that anymore. You're bringing, you're putting together, like, we're going to have 13 of the best players assembled. And yeah, probably only nine or 10 of them, 11 of them are going to play, but we're going to, we're going to at least get the best guys that we can together. And then we'll let, like, you know, let the cream rise at the top. Hunter, two more things before we get you out of here, and I really appreciate your time on a Friday. We're talking to Hunter Johnson. Follow him on the Twitter machine at Burner L. Johnson if you're the one person in the world who's not. I want to get your opinion on the cruddy-cruddy ACC-SEC challenge matchup that they dished Alabama. They gave us Clemson. What, what, what the hell were they thinking? And I'm, I'm, I was upset on Tuesday when it came out. Uh, was I wrong to be upset? I don't think you were wrong. I thought, you know, obviously these things are like, you know, they're thinking through this for future years as well. Um, and out, if I'm Alabama, I don't know that I don't that I'm necessarily that upset by not getting a really top tier team because okay. you look at what the rest of the schedule looks like. It's already really really tough. Um, glad that we're going to get a home game. Um, I don't know that that Nate is very upset about upset by, it. but it, it did kind of seek to miss out on the excitement of like an Arkansas being able to get Duke. Um, I thought that they really missed on some some matchups that could have been really good. Like, why is why didn't Auburn play in Virginia? Like, rematch of the Final Four. Like, that seems like just like way way too easy. Why isn't Texas A and M playing Virginia Tech? Where you know, Buzz Williams, Buzz yeah. To, yeah, where Buzz Williams used to coach. Seems like there were some slammed up matchups that uh, they didn't didn't do. I'm also really what I'm most upset about this is that we play at 8:30 on a weeknight. It's too late. I want to play. A post game show, we won't start till 11. I'm probably just not going to do it. Um, but yeah, I'm sure we'll be live for ministry at 6 30 that night. And yeah, I, I don't like the late start times. I cannot stress that enough. Um, at least it's not nine o'clock like that Houston game was a couple years ago. But yeah, that was what I was most upset about was when I saw the game time, which shows how old I'm getting. And that in college, I would, I would thought that was awesome. And now, yeah, drink all oh, night. That's, oh, it's, that's too late. Yeah, it's too late. <laughs> 
Well, last thing, and I love you, Hunter. I thank you so much. Oh, what do you know about Barrett Salee? Barrett Salee tweeted today that Guthrie's is now the official chicken partner of the University of Alabama. I thought we were a Chick-fil-A university, or what's going on with Guthrie's? They're, uh, they're going to expand past 15th Street? What, 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 what do we know I mean, about that? There's Guthrie's all over the state. I like Guthrie's. I don't mean to, like, diss Guthrie's here. I, uh, I just don't, I'm not a big, like, I don't go to like the chain chicken restaurants and just order a bunch of chicken fingers and sauce. It's just not right. really, a, I mean, if I, if I did, I probably weigh more than I already do. Um, but and I will say this about Guthrie's when I was in high school, a couple of my buddies worked that one on 15th street and man, I just never paid. Like I would go through the drive through and they would just, just pile it up. I mean, it, it's a statute of limitations is up now. Just pile it on. And so, like, I, after they stopped working there about, I guess, after sophomore year of college, um, I just never – I'd never go back because, like, I got so used to eating there for free. It's kind of like uh, Domino's. Like, with Do when I was in school, we had Domino's dining dollars. So, I ate Domino's all the freaking time. But then after I got out of school, I'm like, I don't want Domino's anymore. Like, it's not the same when I'm having to pay, like, actual cash for the tr this transaction. Um, but, I, I mean, I like that we're getting some local flavor in terms of our sponsorships. you got Koneka. And now, um, yeah, I mean, I think that's, that's cool. It's not like bland, like a, like maybe a Zach, I don't, I don't want this any potential sponsors. So I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going anywhere else with that. Like, yeah, <laughs> I, mean, we're happy I just to thought have, that was a funny story. Happy to have Guthrie's on board, but if like Fusackley's or Zaxby's or any of the other ones want to sponsor the Todd Hits pregame show, I, I, I will. I will shill for some chicken out of that. So. There you go. There you go. Well, Hunter, thank you so much for hanging out with us. First time on the new program. We hope to do it again soon. I uh, hear you have a, a, you know, a great summer ahead of you, and I hope that you have a great time doing it. Hopefully we'll catch up before the tide uh, kicks off against MTSU, what, 65, 64 days away? Hunter, have a great day. Days. All right, man. There thanks, Joe. Have a good one. Yes, Roll sir. Time. Roll Tide. That's Hunter Johnson hanging out with us. I really, really appreciate all his time. He, uh, can't, you know, only had a, a short window for us today, and I really appreciate, you know, hope I only uh, I, I tried to get into the most interesting topics that we could with him. Okay, so now, you know, I'm not going to leave you with a 17-minute show. That's uh, unprofessional and unfair to you, the listener. I appreciate everybody who's hung out with us so far. Miss Julene, I see you on the Facebook comment, comment side of things. You guys can jump in and comment if you'd like to on Facebook, on YouTube, on Twitter, uh, leave us a note right there or listen on Spotify, Apple Music or, or on Audible. So here's what I want to go, go to. I want to go to, we already heard that kind of had Hunter's year in review and I do agree with him. It was a very strong athletic year. No national championships, but just uh, overall uh, high level competitiveness in every sport. We were there really hanging around at, at the top of the standings, at the top of the rankings in every sport. And so it was a, a highly enjoyable year for me covering covering the university and hopefully it was a highly enjoyable year for you as the fans all right so what i want to get into next is gambling uh because i think we've got a real problem i think you have a real real problem and yes it's not a highly specific to alabama topic but it will affect alabama one day and it has affected some alabama football players in the nfl already we remember last year calvin ridley was suspended an entire season because he wagered, what, a $1,500 wager on a, what, 16, 17-parlay. For, for those of you who are unfamiliar with gambling, the likelihood of that pulling off is very, very low. Very, very, very low for Calvin Ridley. So he was basically hitting a long shot, kind of just kind of, 
seemed like a, oh, let's just see if this happens or not. Okay, so Calvin Ridley gets suspended for an entire year. We all know Jamison Williams now, six months later, gets suspended for six games with the Detroit Lions. Why? He was gambling in a team facility. He wasn't gambling on a on an NFL game, but he placed wagers in a team facility. So the NFL has pl- uh, now suspended a couple of Indianapolis Colts players and a couple of Tennessee Titans players for the entire year for other gambling violations. One of the Colts players, uh, the Colts players basically come out and says, uh, yeah, one of the Colts players gambled a put a heavy wager on a, uh, basically on an over-under. Yeah, Demetrius Taylor. Yes, Demetrius Taylor uh, placed a wager on an over-under. Basically, he utilized, he utilized insider information to Score a huge gap. Okay, so a source told ESPN that friends of Rogers who were in Florida encouraged him to place many of the wagers. The majority were on the twenty-five to fifty-dollar range. Look, that's the range that I'm gambling in. If I'm gambling, here twenty-five bucks on a game. We don't want to get too out of control now. Legal sports betting was not available in Florida this past football season. The largest wager placed through the account, though, was a $1,000 prop bet on the over/under on the Colt on the rushing yards by a Colts running back, which won. So Rodgers knew kind of the Colts game plan and was able to place a wager on the certain running back to to, uh, to to basically rush for a certain amount of yards, and he and he did that. Why are we talking about this? We're talking about this because this is permeating culture all over the place. And here, look, I am not one to say, oh, the games are rigged, the games are fixed, the games are, you know, swayed one way or the other. I absolutely abhor the talk of, oh, the refs are paid. These refs are paid. They're paid against us. I abhor it, honestly. Uh, It it makes me feel like, oh, you cheap losers. Oh, you sad losers. Look, I walked away from this past year's Tennessee game, and I know 17, what, 18 penalties against the Tide. You had a couple of terrible penalties against the Tide. The pass interference at the end that would have given, basically sealed the deal on on the interception. I'm not here to talk about rigged games or not. I don't think that games are rigged that way. But when you have gambling, when you have this much money at stake, when you have these many play, these many hands in the cookie jar, this much, uh, this much pull. I mean, it's one thing to, it's one thing to pull aside a point guard and say, "Hey, man, will you miss some free throws and shave some points?" That's one thing in basketball, and it's one thing you can get a hold of a referee in basketball. We remember the uh, the basketball the, the official who was uh, basically involved with the mob uh, a handful of years ago. You, you can get an official to influence a game. One point, but for a football game, it's much harder. It's much difficult. There's 22 guys out there. There's 22 guys out there. Everybody's motivated. Everybody's trying to adhere to their own play. They're trying to do what their own coaches tell you. And then you've got coaches, coaches trying to win for their own legacy. And then you got officials trying to make good calls. So I think, look, football is so much harder to fix, in my opinion. But man. With so many gambling stories at play, with so much going on, okay, I asked a buddy yesterday, uh, look, if you guys paid attention to the NBA draft, if you listened to this program, you heard about this, uh, what, two weeks ago, Brandon Miller was slotted, okay, for sure, he's going to go number two overall. He's promised to go number two. Everybody knows. So a lot of people wagered he's going to go number two overall, and a lot of people won off that. Great. On the day of the draft, a very prominent reporter, Sham Sharania, He's he's very very popular. He's got thousands of followers on Twitter. He, he he's got huge credibility. He goes out there and says, "I'm hearing reports that Scoot Henderson is going to go number two. He's going to get drafted number two overall, not Brandon Miller." 
And so, you know, people trust Shamsarania, people trust his reporting and think that, okay, he's a credible reporter. Uh, but Shamsharania is employed by or has a partnership with FanDuel, FanDuel, which is a sports betting application, which is a sports betting uh, w- website, uh, sports betting company. And so people go on to FanDuel and they, and they wager for Scoot Henderson to be drafted number two overall. And then when Brandon Miller inevitably gets drafted number two overall, all of those people lose. So was Shamsharania, is Shamsharania a, a part of an insider trading scheme that basically defrauded a bunch of these NBA fans? And so here's my thing. It's like these are tips of the iceberg. These are small portions. These are just small stories. You're seeing this Colts running back, oh, gambling on an over-under. Yeah, he cashed in. He won $1,000. $1,000 is not that big a deal for a casino. It's not that big a deal for a sports book. It's not that big a deal for you or I. Uh, sure, $1,000 is a couple paychecks, but ultimately not the not, not a huge amount of, m- amount of money. So he didn't go break the system, this Colts running back. And, and Calvin Ridley didn't go break the system with his fifteen hundred dollars seventeen parlay. But what's the like? What's to prevent these college students with NIL with with, with it's being so prominent? Uh, sports gambling is legal, I think, in twenty seven states. For uh, how many states is sports betting legal? Yes, perfect. Uh, thirty seven. Okay, I thought it's twenty two. It's thirty seven. There's thirty seven states where it's legal, and so you got to think. 37 states, and even when it wasn't legal, I'll just be honest, it's not legal here in Alabama, but, uh, you know, no FBI watches this program. Uh, 10, 15 years ago when I was, you know, a young buff, I wagered with my friends all the time. You knew you can place a wager if you want to. You can gamble if you want to. It's just um, makes makes me apprehensive. With all the money at play, and I love the athletes getting paid. I love athletes being in power and and really – in control of everything because they are the labor. Without the athletes, there are there is no product to watch. Yeah, you could watch me play quarterback for the Crimson Tide, but people would turn that off in about two seconds because it would be a horrible, unwatchable product. You got a kid taking a snap and and you know falling right over, getting sacked, stepping on, getting stepped on by a center. It wouldn't be good. These guys earn their money. These guys are worth all the money that's at stake here. I just worry about how much we're partnering with the industry that is sports gambling. And here, I love sports gambling as an, as, as an entity. It's very entertaining to watch. It's very entertaining for me to uh, pay attention to. It really helps uh, a lot of ways, just kind of helps shape my opinions on what's going to happen in a lot of ways. Look, you heard Coach Saban. You heard Coach Saban. If we would have been favored by uh, over three of the four teams in the college football playoff, why weren't we in? Alabama would have been favored in Las Vegas over Michigan Michigan and TCU, and probably Ohio State as well last year. Look, those guys in the desert, they know what they're talking about. I just worry the partnership level that we are uh, that we're getting, especially when you're receiving, you know, you're getting NIL bonuses and you're getting um, just all kinds of it's it's seeping into sports journalism. A lot, you know, you, you get a lot of podcasts that are sponsored by DraftKings, sponsored by FanDuel, sponsored by you know Caesar Sportsbook. If there's a if Pearl River Resort wants to sponsor me, I would love to be a part of it, part of your sponsor. You know, part part of your package. I love sports gambling. I just worry about how much it's um 
influencing, influencing the results that we are seeing on the field each and every week. And so that's where it really what's got me kind of brainstorming and concerned over over that. So look, uh, here's here, the NCAA due to do all this. We're going to keep this rolling with some actual information due to all the concern about gambling. I'm not the only one. The NCAA amended and updated punishments for athletes who violate gambling rules. And here are a couple of new punishments. Student athletes who are found to engage in activities to influence the outcome of games they're involved in or provide information to individuals involved in betting will face a potential permanent loss of college eligibility. The guideline applies to student athletes who bet on their own games or other sports at their own school. And look, you have to have that in place. You absolutely have to be because you cannot have kids influencing games. You cannot have kids point shaving. And the other thing, you cannot have these athletes calling their basketball buddies saying, hey, well, who's going to win tonight? Hey, what are you going to do tonight? Like, what's the you, this insider information is probably the most dangerous part of this is because I, you know, these, these Alabama athletes, I think these Alabama athletes are at least on a cordial level to, with one another. And so if you want to know if Johnny's really hurt or if Sarah's really hurt or who's going to be running on the, in the, in the four by four, if you want to know kind of information ahead of time, I think these athletes can get it. So the NCAA has to implement and you have to threaten their loss of permanent eligibility. There's no there's no coming back from somebody who would taint the integrity of the game in that fashion. All right. Number two, number two, student athletes who bet on their own sport but not involving their school are subject to a potential loss of 50% of one season. All right, so if I'm going to gamble on if – if I'm a football player at Alabama and I'm going to gamble on the SEC, the other SEC games that week – you know, I am th- I'm I'm up to I'm, I'm risking one season, one half season of eligibility. So I am risking what six games. I'm risking yeah that is six, six games of of an opportunity to play for the Crimson Tide. I had six games of an opportunity to play on ESPN, on CBS, on ABC, on all the family of networks on national television where people will see you and where draft scouts will see you. I don't know if that's really worth it, man. Stay off the gamble. Don't gamble on your own sport. The, 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 best, the best advice is to not gamble. All right, number three, for all other wagering-related violations, the cumulative dollar value of the wagers will be taken into consideration when determining the punishment. Bets totaling $201 to $500 could result in a loss of 10% of a season of eligibility, plus rules and prevent educa- uh, and, and prevention education. Excuse me. Bets totaling more than $800 could result in a loss of 30% of a season of eligibility, plus rules and prevention education. Look, man. It ain't worth it for eight hundred dollars. You're gonna lose thirty percent of your of your of your eligibility for a year. It's not worth it. It's not worth it at all. Look, I know these athletes. Oh, it, it seems like it might be a quick way to gain a, a quick buck. Uh, and, it, and it is fun. Look, I'll be honest. It is fun to wager a time or two. I love the football season for that reason. But you have to be responsible. You have to be careful. And I have no influence or out uh, no no influence on any wager or any games. Uh, so, so I feel like, uh, you know, I have a little bit de- easier position to make those wagers. Uh, I, I just encourage everybody to gamble responsibly and I encourage everybody to be cautious uh, because I think we're going to be seeing more and more stories where convoluted information comes out where uh 
conflicts of interest arise where athletes come out and, you know, maybe they've made wagers or they've told their friends. I, I think the, the Brad Bohannon situation and story is going to be, unfortunately, more and more commonplace. The NFL also updated their gambling out, out uh, gambling rules and outcomes and basically boiled it down to six straight rules. One, don't bet on the NFL. Two, don't gamble at your team's facility while traveling on a road uh, while traveling for a road game or staying at a team hotel. Number three, don't have someone bet for you. Number four, don't share team inside information. Number five, don't enter a sports book during an NFL playing season. And number six, don't play daily fantasy football. I think those are all great rules and great guidelines. Uh, and, and so, look, this is just an issue that people are going to see more and more as gambling becomes more prevalent. Legal in 37 states now. It's going to be legal in 50 states before probably 10 years, I, I would say. I mean, maybe 20 years. But it will be it will be, be more legal and more accessible than not as we continue to go on. So I think it's something that we all have to uh, kind of watch out for. All right, let's um, – Let's put a pin in the gambling talk. Let's put a pin in the gambling talk real quick. Let me catch a sip of water and pivot. Hey, everybody. Happy June. Oh, my gosh. It's the last day of June, isn't it, Andrew? Hey, everybody. Happy June. Hey, everybody. Happy June. Oh, man. All right, so we got to figure out a new sound or a new kind of pause break for, for, for next month, and we will do that over the weekend. And any suggestions, you can drop in the uh, social media social media handles on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at Joe Gaither 6 if you want to drop in any sound or suggestions for the show. Let's pivot to transfer uh, to transfer portal. Transfer portal is getting is a little bit interesting for me because yesterday, the NCAA Division I Council proposed, uh, proposed changes to the transfer portal windows that will reduce the total number of days a student-athlete can enter the transfer portal from 60 down to 30. Okay, I think that we are starting to have a little bit of a problem with the transfer portal, and I know a lot of people hate it. I do love it. I do love the flexibility that it, that it's uh, that it's given athletes. I believe that the transfer portal has been improved upon year after year, and I believe they improved upon it last season when they uh, when they put in restrictions about transfer portal windows. They put the windows in last season, and I loved that. They also put in uh, restrictions about first time transfers, that sort of thing. They, they, I really, really loved last year's uh, really adaptations or morphings of the transfer portal. This year, it looks like they're considering a little bit more uh, trimming or changing of the transfer portal, not not closing it, not not uh, getting rid of it, but they want to uh, close, shorten the window. And I think that's very, very good because, look, I don't think that you should go in the transfer portal and be shopping for schools. I think that you should go into the transfer portal and know a little bit where you want to go. If I'm, look, I'm from Chattanooga, Tennessee. If I am here, here in Tuscaloosa at Alabama, you know, competing and maybe I'm at the bottom of the depth chart, or maybe I'm not getting along with my coaches, or maybe uh, the academics are not sitting well with me or for whatever reason, for, for whatever reason, I, I say, okay, I'm going to go in the transfer portal. I need to have an idea of, okay, I'm going to consider UTC. I'm going to consider Chattanooga because that's my home. I'm going to consider, you know, X, Y, and Z, three schools, bam, bam, bam. And these are my three schools. And why do I know these three schools? Because maybe these three coaches or three, these three programs recruited me in the past or have uh, coaches who have departed my original school who I loved. Uh, you want to follow your coach or your position coach somewhere? I think that's fine. I really think these transfer portal windows needs to – I love the concept. The concept was needed, absolutely needed because of a lot of what – 
you heard Hunter Johnson talk about. These coaches get no time off. These coaches have zero time to relax to themselves. Coach Saban took a little bit of time in Italy, and that was like a week, and that was like his first vacation in ages. So I think these these windows need to be shortened so that these coaches can manage their rosters easier. You don't get these, oh, I'm going to the portal, I'm going back out, I'm going to the portal, I'm going back in, that sort of thing. I think these players, these athletes, look, I'm a, I'm a fan of the college football. Uh, I'm a fan of the transfer portal really for every sport. But I think that if I'm going to hit the transfer portal in basketball and baseball and football, wh- whatever the case may be, I think that you should have some sort of inkling. And you don't need 60 days. You don't need two months to figure it out. You should go ahead, you know, go visit a couple of schools. Go visit school X, Y, and Z. In my case, go visit UTC. Go visit, you know, Jacksonville State up there close in the Gadsden area. Go, go, go visit, you know, schools back in the Chattanooga area. That's fine. Be a be, be a man, be a be a woman, be an adult, and make a, a, a decision in a quick fashion. And not quick, but a timely fashion. Forty five days. Forty five days is plenty of time to figure out if you're going to. Uh, <laughs> uh, oh man! Oh, uh, thank you, Julian. I appreciate your comment, uh, Chris. I, I, Chris Walsh talking about our staff. Yes, I appreciate that. Chris is the man. Chris is awesome. Uh, you can probably listen to him. Uh, I guess his radio segment is probably on Tide 109 right now, if I had to guess. Uh, Chris is awesome. We had a great staff meeting yesterday. It was awesome to meet all the guy, all the people officially uh, part of Bama Central. I got my brand new Bama Central, uh, Bama Central polo, and I really appreciate that. Rocking the Bama Central polo. Big thanks to Chris Walsh. And yeah, so that's that's my thoughts. I think I think it's a great thing that they're amending the transfer portal again. I think it's a great thing that they are cutting down the the, the windows because you should be able to make decisions in a timely fashion. You shouldn't have to hold these – these college programs should not be held hostage all summer long or all spring long due to, oh, when's Johnny going to make his decision? Is he going to go choose us or is he going to choose them? I think that uh, I, I think that the NCAA is taking a good step with the transfer portal. Okay, anything else I got on my, on my radar sheet today? I have – let's see, on my open tabs, anything else on my radar sheet? KJ Bolden is on my sheet. All right, so just a little bit of recruiting news. Uh, we, we got uh, – Alabama got the commitment of Isaiah Vega what, on Wednesday. We didn't talk about it with Mac, Mac Hereford because that's not his area of expertise. But Isaiah Vega, uh, out, of, out of what, Clay Chalkville High School? Is that what I saw? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. He, he's – yeah. No, Central Phoenix City. I'm sorry. No, Dylan and Bakway is Clay Chalkville. Uh, Isaiah Fega from Central Phoenix City uh, took took the Central Phoenix City Red Devils. That's right uh, to the Class Seven uh, A semifinals last season. What I saw on on tape with Isaiah Fega, he was uh, a Utah commit. All right, he's got a little bit. Of, he's got a Samoan background. Okay, you see the the Utah connection right there. But he's from Alabama, and we all know. Let's just be honest about it. Samoan defensive linemen have a tendency and have a reputation of being nasty. Well, I see that. I see that on tape when I look at Isaiah Fega. I, I see him with a quick first step off the line. Now, clearly, he's going into his senior year. He's got room to develop. He's going to develop further. But I believe that Isaiah Fega has a very quick first step for a high schooler. I was impressed with him. Now, granted, I'm only watching high- highlight tapes. I'd love to see him uh, more. I, I, I'd love to see him more complete game tape to see how he does snap in and snap out. Uh, but he gets a lot of pressure in his highlight tapes. 
He, he's very quick off the ball, as I said, with his quick first step. And I think he has a violent punch. So Isaiah Fega obviously was a huge priority for the Alabama Crimson Tide recruiting class. He joins Jeremiah Beeman as the second defensive lineman in the recruiting class so far. Alabama now up to nine commitments in the 2024 class. And so what are we looking at next? Alabama, you've got a lot of guys who have Alabama on the tip of their tongue, have a lot of guys who are right there ready to sign. Uh, well, not sign yet. They'll sign in December and in February, but, but are right there ready to commit uh, to the Alabama Crimson Tide. I think you're going to see Alabama pick up a cornerback commitment uh, on Saturday, Jameer Grimsley. I think you're going to see them add Jameer Grimsley, cornerback out of Tampa, Florida, uh, as the 10th member of the class. And he's really going to be the second corner. He and Jalen Mbakwe will make the two corners in this class so far. Obviously, you got to wait and see if the commitment will hold strong. But I really do think that you're going to get what's up, CJ Watson, on the Facebook machine. I really do think that you're going to get uh, Jameer Grimsley added to the class tomorrow. Now, I think you're going to get, look, KJ Bolden is that diamond. Oh, boy. We want to talk about Caleb Downs last year. KJ Bolden is that dude. KJ Bolden is the number one safety in the country right out of Buford, Georgia. Look, Buford to the college football rankings has turned into a just college football pipeline. And we know this with our man, Justice Haynes. And we've got, uh, what, Jake Pope is from Buford as well. Isaiah Bond, I believe, is from, from Buford as well. So, look, great pipeline coming from Buford to college football. We'd love to get another. K.J. Bolden, he looks the part. K.J. Bolden told on three sports this past week uh, that he had a great visit to the University of Alabama. I'm going to venture to have him on, uh, and we'll talk about what we're going to do next week. Oh, I almost have my next week's plans already set going into the weekend. Oh, that is such a great feeling. Thank you, Friday. Thank you, Lord. Uh, but, no, K.J. Bolden is that diamond in the rough, and I think that, uh, look, he told on three sports he's down to his final three. He's got Alabama. Uh, he's got Alabama, Ohio State, and Georgia, basically playing as his final three. Lots of people thinking Ohio State kind of has his lead, but Jalen Mbakwe has been in his ear. I think K.J. Bolden is a really good candidate to commit to Alabama pretty soon. I think the – and really, you add him as a five-star, the number one safety in the class – you're going to jump up those rankings. So everybody who's concerned, everybody who's concerned who sees Alabama's recruiting class ranking at 24 or 26 or 29, you know, in those mid-20s, I say don't worry. Don't worry. Nick Saban is about to go and do what Nick Saban always does. And, and, and I'm really looking forward to this next month. Yes, we're in the NCAA mandated dead period until the end of the month, uh, until, until the end of July, July 24 is the is the final day of, of the dead period. So the guys cannot come back onto campus for in-person visits. And Coach Saban cannot go out on the road and do in-person visits. But they can still communicate via phone, via text, via FaceTime, via Twitter, social media, that sort of thing. So Alabama is still going to be working very, very hard on the recruiting front. And I think you're going to see Alabama add to the recruiting class over the weekend with Mr. Jameer Grimsley. Uh, Jameer Grimsley out of Tampa, Florida. Jameer Grimsley, a four-star recruit just a little bit about a four-star recruit uh he, he's a two-way player plays wide receiver and corner for his school down in tampa and so he's got a lot of speed he's a track track athlete as well 10 1 uh 10 100 meter dash so we love that we love the athletic traits and we know coach saban loves his cornerbacks so he's going to be always looking for the best and the brightest and the defensive backfield 
All right, so what else? What else? Come on. It's a Friday. We're having fun on a Friday. I appreciate everybody hanging out with us on the Facebook, the Twitter, the YouTube side of things. Everybody who's listened to us on Spotify, Apple Music, and on Audible. You guys can tell a friend about the Joe Gaither Show on Bama Central. Get them to download, rate, review, and subscribe. Put in those five stars and send me a comment, question, query, or complaint right there to my social medias at Joe Gaither 6. Okay, I think I'm about done, but uh, on a personal note, uh, we got into a, a little Gaither adventure here at the household we want to thank uh we want to thank god for dropping this little cutie in our lap we are have added a dog for the vision for the for the ready for the podcast audience you'll have to check it out on the youtube side of things we've added a dog to the gaither household we're going to call her abby it has been quite a transition to uh to uh the household with with the cat bruce they've had a couple of dust-ups but it has been a lot of fun so far and so that's what's going to occupy my time all weekend long is really uh keep up with recruiting that's what we do here on Bama Central. And I'm going to be rearing a puppy, uh, Miss Abby. We're going to try to get her acclimated to the house and try to get her trained a little bit. So far, everything has been very, very good. Sweet puppy. And I really appreciate uh, Miss Kristen for looking out for me on uh, Miss Abby, trying to hook me up with, with a great puppy. Uh, what are we going to do next week? We'll set you up with next week, and then we'll get you out of here for the weekend. For everybody on the Joe Gaither Show, next week, I think I've already got pretty much the week planned. I'm going to be joined on Monday. Got to make sure he's going to be ready for it when we've already talked about it, but uh, always confirmed 24 hours ahead of time. I believe I'm going to be joined by Monday by Mr. Cruz Oxenrider of Barstool Sports. Cruz is a Bama graduate and works for Barstool Sports. He manages a lot of the uh, Southeastern social media accounts for Barstool Sports, and so we will look forward to having Mr. Cruz Oxenrider on the program to talk all things Alabama sports. He'll uh, bring it to, to us in his own Barstool flavorful way on Monday. On Tuesday, I'm going to be talking to Caden Jones. Yes, we'll continue our recruiting series I am so sorry we could not get a recruit on this week. We uh, talked to uh, several of them and just wasn't able to work it out. But on Tuesday, I've got a commitment from Caden Jones, an Alabama linebacker, 2024 wide uh, – 2024 four-star commit. He's a North Carolina linebacker committed to Alabama already. He is one of the nine members of Alabama's 2024 class. So Caden Jones will join me on Tuesday to talk about his recruitment, why he chose Alabama, what he wants to do his senior year. We want to get to know Caden Jones on Tuesday. Tell a friend that we'll have him join the program on Tuesday at 1 p.m. And I'm going to reach out. I've already reached out. We've already had preliminary talks with my friend Giles Amos. Giles Amos, former tight end for the University of Alabama right here in the Nick Saban era. Just left Alabama pretty recently. Played his final season at Arkansas State. So we're going to uh, catch up with Giles Amos hopefully next week as well. And I'd love to find out what he thinks about the tight ends in this Alabama uh, this Alabama room right now. Amari Nyblack, CJ Dupree. Oh, wow. The Alabama tight ends I think are going to be very, very, very... Uh, I think they're going to get a lot of uses this coming up season. I think they're underrated right now and they're going to be a heavy part of the offense. So we'll look forward to hearing hopefully from Jalos Amos next week as well. So that's going to do it for our week. Wow, we want to thank Chris Walsh. Make sure you follow him at Writing Walsh on the Twitter machine. Tell him that you love, love all things Bama Central. Follow Bama Central at Bama Central. Listen to our other Bama Central podcast, All Things Bama with Katie Windham and Austin Hannon. We've got Blue Collar Unplugged with Matthew Gibson, Jacob Pickle, and Blake Byler. So make sure you check out those other two Bama Central Broadcasting Network podcasts. You can follow me once again at Joe Gaither 6 and we appreciate everybody who's participated in the show. We'll catch up with you on Monday. Hope you have a great weekend, a beautiful weekend, right here all from the Joe Gaither Show on Bama Central.